to Mac Gamecast episode 10, a podcast where we talk about games, Mac games, and all sorts of fun adjacent things. I'm John Carr. With me today is Lily. How are you doing, Lily? Good. Glad to finally be back. I know I missed a few. Woohoo! Yes, yes, you are still responsible for our most popular uh, podcast ever. Clearly a result of your attendance. Uh, and of course, the mighty Ted is also here today. How are you, sir? <laughs> oh, doing well, doing well. Fantastic. So today we have a very interesting subject we are going to talk about on this podcast, which is a, uh, broadly speaking, a discussion around aspects of uh, military war, wargaming, violence rep in the represent representation in the video game world, both on the serious side and maybe the more silly or arcadey side. And I think there's some very interesting points, thoughts, topics to be had. Um and Lily here is an active member of the military. Ted is a former member of the military, so I feel they have a very authentic and genuine point of view or opinion on this, more so than the average gamer, um, you know, like myself, who's not a member of the military. So um, I thought that'd be really cool to talk about, and that's what we're going to do. So I would like to start with the more, um, you could almost say clickbaity. <laughs> side of it uh though this is a podcast so there's nothing to click on per se but um that being the you know uh, arcadization trivialization quote unquote of of war in games the easy targets call of duty there's probably you know other games that do this though i can't think of them off the top of my head um but i know they they have been there um a couple console ones come to mind i think it was called two brothers or two buddies or something. I can't remember what it was. It was like these two mercenary soldier guys and it was all like ultra violent and glorifying lots of killing and mercenaries running around, like killing dudes for money in war zones and third world countries. And, um, so, and of course, call of duty through, you know, historically seeing as, I mean, going back, I can't even remember when the first call of duty was released. You know, they started with, I think world war one or two, and then went up to like modern era and then of course they've been jumping back and forth between basically like world war one or two and a bit of the future and a bit of the modern era and they just you know there's a big full range of the timeline here um but the multiplayer settings or the campaigns often take place in um you know basically either probably not ongoing but former war zones whether it's like black ops was set in vietnam so you had a whole campaign not the entire campaign, but levels of the campaign were set in Vietnam. You know, that's a really serious war and zillions of people died, um, you know. But here you are in just arcade mode, so to speak, running around just gunning down people in Vietnam, you know, and other popcorn spectacles going on with explosions and fire and rescues. And so it's like, OK, this is fun and it's entertaining. But the the, the what I want to get to is, like, should it be? Should these, you know... Should these things be depicted in such a entertaining manner, you know? Should it be treated with more seriousness or more quote-unquote respect? Or do you guys think that's disrespectful? I don't know. I'm curious to hear what you think. Um, what do you think about that, uh, Lily? Sure. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to speak for every single person out there, but, you know, just personally... Um, from my point of view, you know, I'm not only a soldier, but I'm also a historian. Um, and I've also, you know, I studied a fair bit of literature. And and you look at the way wars have been depicted in the past, it's always 
kind of been there as a storytelling medium. Uh, you know, movies do it, books do it, and right. books do it going way back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have poets and um, songs revolving around war. Right. And I think video games are no different in that respect in a broad manner. Right. But then when you kind of narrow the focus and you look at a case by case basis, um, like arcadey types of war games, that's when it becomes a little more important to go like, uh, okay, what's the context? Uh, so like, I'm going to juxtapose two extremes here. Um, sure. There is a, uh, Warhammer 40 K game, uh, <laughs> called, I think it's just called space Marine. Right. Um, and in that game, you know, you, you spawn in and you're immediately just hewing your way through legions of orcs and it's just bloody and there's all of this spectacle, you know, graphical overlays of of ships slugging it out and artillery, airstrikes, all that. But it's very, it's, it's arcadey in a way that makes it clear that this is not real, this has never been real, and it probably never will be real. <laughs> and... That's hopefully it will never be real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, who am I to speak of what will happen in the year 40,000? But anyways, uh, you know, that that's that's a very much very much a different kind of of game than. Uh, I don't know, Call of Duty, uh, where you know you're just it, it is a it feels more real and it's more of a near historical context like even world war ii was just like not even 100 years ago it was 80 years ago mm. uh give or take three years three or four years depending on when you want to say it started um and and i think again when you're in that kind of situation you have to widen the context even more um i think a good example for me just looking within the Call of Duty games. Yeah. Uh, Call of Duty 3 gave a mostly historical, um, and I say mostly because obviously it's not going to be 100% historical, and even some of the major events were kind of tweaked to fit the narrative. Um, but it was very respectful. There was no uh, glorification of anything outside of the context of the game. Um as in there were some characters that were making the war, you know, since you're playing as the Russians, oh, it's a great patriotic war. But mm. but the game itself is not appealing to the player as this is a glorifying uh, thing. Right. Whereas you look at the more recent iteration of Call of Duty in its World War II setting, Call of Duty World War II, and it's very ahistorical. Um, there's a lot of, and, and, uh, the musical score is very different. And I think even little things like that can be considered like it's, it's very swooping and heroic, even though, you know, you're, you're playing as the U S killing Germans, which is of course, I would never speak against the killing of Nazis in world war two, but, um, it makes the violence seem like it's glorious and and uh you know heroic in a way right and then the way the the story missions progress with like the germans just sort of 
rushing in on mats and just getting mowed down. And you get this sort of feeling of like, you know, honestly, I tried to play Call of Duty World War Two, uh, but I couldn't make it through the campaign because I was like, this doesn't feel like it's done very tastefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's that's kind of my example there of of uh, tasteful versus non-tasteful. It's like, yeah, war is terrible. There's no way to justify that. But on one hand, you can be uh, tasteful in its use as a storytelling metric and as a gameplay mechanic, um, or you could be needlessly glorifying it, or you could just make it so ridiculous that it doesn't really have a good link to the real world. <laughs> so there right. are th- there are a few different ways game companies will tackle this, and I think you know that one stands out to me where it's like, okay, yeah, this is still just an arcade game. I'm pointing and clicking but it no longer feels like this is done in a good manner. Right. Yeah, that's, um, I hear what you're saying, and I'm not personally advocating, like, none of these games should ever be made, like Call of Duties and this and that, because like you said, the uh, war is a setting, uh, back either a backdrop or direct setting in and around war, war, war zones, has been, you know, for a very long time, used in all sorts of mediums, games, uh, books, Starting with more like, yeah, spoken songs, poems, uh, written form, books, dramas, plays, whatever, all, all manner of things. Um, and then, of course, major, you know, some of the best rated movies are war movies, whether it's things like Saving Private Ryan or Braveheart and this and that. One more medieval and a bit more modern example. Um, so there's clearly a spectrum on display here, both in mediums outside games and within gaming. But of course, our discussion is primarily around gaming today. Um, I think, to me, of course, it. I don't know if we want to get into talking about like desensitizing to violence. Like, do you feel, as someone who is an active member of the military, you've been deployed? Um, you know, do you feel like this arcadey stuff desensitizes people or or gives people? the wrong impression of like how war really is like, Oh, it's, Oh, I have respawns. I have save points. I've regenerating health. You know, there's ammo piles every 10 feet or whatever, you know, <laughs> weird game things where there's just like random guns and ammo in places they never would be. Um, like, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm not blaming anyone for making a game to be entertaining. Um, I'm just curious, like, do, do you feel it really gives people the wrong impression or are people, sensible enough to discern like entertainment versus reality or that's maybe too outside the scope of this podcast to discuss i'm just like rambling here um <laughs> well what t- ted what do you think <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just laughing at john but uh yeah you know there's, I have two thoughts on it. You know, first of all, I look at most games as um, a form of, almost like a form of an interactive movie. So in the case of one where it was done as a realistic semi-simulation of the real thing, it's almost like reading a good book or watching a good movie and your act but in the in this one extra dimension where you're actually participating in it which is kind of nice <clears throat> that being said you know i i always 
concerned and it not for me because i was never in in any face-to-face type of situation in my time in the service but um i was concerned about someone who might have been in say like vietnam or something like that who you know might have a negative emotion associated with the events inside the game and you know and i wonder if that takes a little bit away from the the importance of the fact that you know and the that of what happened you know but as far as that goes i think living the you know living in that environment and you can learn some strategy skills you might learn some response skills and i don't know how much the current military uses um any form of gaming to um you know train anybody i know back when i was in we did some form of stuff like that to put you in situations so that you could make you know split second decisions and then see the results of it in an environment where it wasn't going to mean your death <laughs> <laughs> so I, I you know and i see that as a good thing but i i think mostly i see the gaming environment that you know for the commercial gaming environment more of a form of entertainment and just another aspect of the movie the book the you know the the story tell, teller around the fire type thing that's been going on forever and right. i i don't really see it as a really bad thing i tend to sh- personally shy away from uh military reenactment type games i don't know why um but maybe there's something psychologically about it with me, but it it doesn't mean I won't get into a shooter of some fashion. So I'm not sure why, but I always tended to shy away from those types. Um, but other than that, I don't see any real problem with them as far as that goes. I think, again, I think it's just a form of entertainment. And I am a little bit concerned about the desensitizing aspect of it, though, and that's you you wonder and one of the questions i have and i don't know if lily knows anything about this but i'll pose the question years ago uh maybe 15 20 years ago the us army had put out a game called america's army yeah uh did that provide any useful input to the army so america's army was actually a recruitment tool and you know right, right. um even even today, like I know the U.S. Army esports team came under flack for um, trying to use video games to appeal to kids. It's just always kind of been there, and and you know that that's the job of recruiters to yeah. try and draw people into the army, and that's or you know just the military in general. That's always that's always kind of going to be there. I know the Navy had a partnership with World of Warships at one point. Which, yeah, you know, ironically, <laughs> the game. The game owners are uh, the game creators, developers are Russian, so that's that was a little <laughs> bit of a funny link there. Um, yeah. But you know, it, it's my my opinion on the whole desensitization thing. I think no reasonable, uh, common thinking individual would equate a video game to real life. There's just too many divides. Um, And I think going off of that, I don't think a reasonable individual would be affected by video games in that manner. 
uh, because it's a lot. It's very different. And I will say this, you know, I've been playing shooters since I was a teen, Hmm. uh, since well before I had solid plans to join the army. I always kind of wanted to join the army, but (laughs) I never really had that solid intention and i can say for a fact that video games had no real effect on that um and going going further off that having seen actual combat and juxtaposing that with my experience in video games i will tell you that there is nothing that can prepare you or desensitize (laughs) you for that sort of environment um and you know, and the army's actual training was built around preparing you for that, and mm. it still is overwhelming. Anyone, mm-hmm. every single soldier that has seen combat, soldier, marine, sailor, whatever, will tell you that the first time is just jarring, and there is nothing that can prepare you for that. And as far as video games go, it it's not even close. Right now, There's that no, being said, right. yeah. I know there are some arguments of this can spur people into a into a <laughs> sort of single instance of violence. I know that that you know video games and school shooters, for example, have been linked often. Uh, not not officially, but verbally, people will say, like for example, with Columbine, uh, the, the that really big the the first really big case of it, people were saying that. Oh, because the kids were playing Doom, that might have had something to do with it. I think it was Doom. Yeah, it was Doom. And then, but you know, you've seen enough cases of this where it's like, no, the video games don't really have that effect on reasonable people. And, right. you know, there's plenty and plenty of violence, of violence in our uh, current entertainment uh, medium. Like, we talk about, okay, Vietnam-style uh, video games. Well... There are movies about Vietnam. There are books about Vietnam, uh, fictional books about Vietnam, fictional movies about Vietnam. So it's, you know, it's uh, enough of a divide that I feel, and the science backs me up on this, that no, video games can't really desensitize you. And then kind of backtracking a bit to a point Ted brought up, um, at least personally for me, Whenever I see a game that takes place in Iraq, now this is just my personal feeling, um, I don't really relate that to the real Iraq. And, you know, and it just goes back to video games can't really mimic that. It, there's there's no real way to, like, even in a VR game, which I have, you know, I, I have a VR headset, I've played a VR game that, you know, was quote-unquote in Iraq, and it's like, you can't mimic the sights, the the smell, the sound, the the feel of all that gear and the the heat. Mm. You know, it's just it's some people possibly could be affected by that, but I think most will will not. And then there's f- that further point of game developers usually don't get it right, even on the <laughs> visual aspects of it. Like, oh, I have a question. Maybe sorry, this is a bit of an interject. Um, as far as I understand, like movies, Hollywood, whatever, aren't allowed to use like actual military army ranks and whatever. Is that also true in games, or did I? Is that just wrong for movies? No, that's a myth. Okay, that's a myth. All it's right. usually it's usually just that Hollywood just gets it wrong. 
Okay. Just yeah. Gets it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I see. Okay. Well, I, yeah. That was right. a common myth that that started up after Hollywood got a bunch of uniforms and ranks wrong, oh, and then okay. they just kind of rolled with it ever since at their see, fallback. <laughs> right. It's like the excuse. Yeah. I got. Yeah. It. All right. Yeah. You were talking about basically the the you know you know even if you're immersed in a game, it's only it doesn't even come close basically to the to the reality of yeah this situation yeah. Like you can be the top ranked Warzone sniper, but if you pick up an actual Barrett fifty cal, you're not hitting shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? There's no substitute for actual training, conditioning, experience, etc. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even training is generally not enough compared to the real quote unquote real thing. Right. A lot of people, uh, well, not a lot. Some some people, from what I understand, when entering such situations, even with all the training in the world, can kind of have a breakdown or freeze up or be overwhelmed or or, or whatever it is. Um, all that kind of stuff. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, linking back to what you were talking about, uh, the school shootings. We're not we're not really getting into that, and that's all horrible things. Um, but you know. It's been, as far as I know, largely disproven or through through studies in psychology and things like that, that there is no actual link there. I mean, I remember reading in a newspaper some whenever that happened. Oh, and so whatever the names were. Oh, and they trained on Doom. And I actually burst out laughing because, <laughs> you know, I was I was a gamer back then. And I know what Doom's like. I'm like, Doom? Are you kidding me? It's like the biggest disconnect from reality possible. Not to mention it was like <laughs> basic 90s. There's no aiming Everything auto aims for you. You're shooting like monsters from hell. Um, you know, there's health packs and secrets. And just, there's just like no, not even the vaguest link to reality. Or even if you want to say reality, like actual training. Because you, you could argue, oh, you know, they went and played like a military sim game with like actual ballistics and physics and, and like uh, weather and wind and, you know, uh, you know, stamina limitations. What you could say, like, okay, you could at least see the basis of an argument there where there's a bunch of actual like since attempted simulation um but like doom give me a break it was like the biggest joke i've ever heard um <laughs> so you know of course i'm prone to defend games i'm a gamer i have been a lifelong gamer but you know um i think basically why i wanted to bring this up it's like uh i think the positive side you know lily was talking about the historical aspect i think even though some of these things can be like uh, arcadey or trivialized kind of basically for fun it could also at least depending on the person prompt them to investigate that historical incident in more detail i know it, it has prompted me more i've gone and looked up things on wikipedia or historical sites or whatever like oh what actually happened here what were the finer details or you know or maybe what happened to this um historic or historical character you're either representing or the game is based around i can't think of an example now but Call of Duty's done this, at least with some of them, like we were talking about. And I've looked it up, and I've been surprised or interested by some facts. Um, of course, we're talking largely, like, ground battles here. Of course, there's so many things. There's there's games about, um, you know, Navy fighting. There's games with Air Force fighting, and whether modern or World War II, and, and you know, dog fighting and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, of course, there's broader strategy games. Um, what's the game I always make fun of you for playing? Red Dragon. I always say Wed Dragon. Um, what's yeah. that series? Um, Red you know, Dragon a, War Game. Yeah, it's like broader 
you know, strategy and, and bigger armies and, and cover and terrain and buildings. And, you know, so there's like all kinds of games. Um, and Ted was also saying, yeah, you could probably pick up some, some either critical thinking or maybe reflex type skills, response skills, or quote unquote training from these. Um, and of course, some people may use, you know, use that in all sorts of aspects of their life. Um, but yeah, no one's going to, you know, play war game and turn into like, you know, the next military genius or play <laughs> Call of Duty and turn into the next, you know, super sniper dude or, or lady. Um, it's just not going to happen. And, um, yeah, but I, I like, I like to, you know, I'm also an optimist. So I like to think or hope that rather than just treating it all as pure fun, because I don't begrudge anyone having fun. I mean, we're gamers after all. Um, but like, I would hope it would prompt them maybe to poke deeper at some of these subjects, these either historical or more modern day um, wars and events, whether they're America based or foreign based or whatever. I've learned a lot of interesting facts around like China and Japan and older, older wars and stuff. I can't think of them off the top of my head because I'm terrible with that, but playing various games and events and in either getting prompted or poked or experiencing it. And then I, and then looking it up further, I'm like, Oh, there's some really interesting, interesting stuff here. So, you know, the medium can also broaden someone's, um, experience or horizons or even thoughts. Um, you know, I think very few games are actually meant to do that. We've already discussed a lot about like spec ops, the line, um, on the show before, which is just, again, brilliant game. Uh, I think everyone should play it. Anyone who likes any sort of shooter or war game, 100% should play that game. Um, and there's also uh, This War of Mine, which is intentionally based on um, historical events of Eastern European wars and cities being bombed and actual stories of civilians trying to survive in this war-torn, act, you know, active war zone city. And the game isn't actually meant to be fun. It's not really fun. It's an experience. Uh, I put like 40, 50 hours into it because I was so drawn in by the experience. Um, and it mm. was very compelling and often actually very like tough and on and, and kind of depressing and all these things. So um, I, I couldn't play it for like long periods of time because it wasn't meant to be a game so much as it was meant to be an experience and to get you thinking about it and bring some awareness to it and all this stuff like that. And the game won tons of awards. Um and things like that. The developers went on to make Frostpunk, which is not a historical game or anything like that, <laughs> but another very interesting game about experience and being put in tough situations, being forced to make really hard decisions around life and death. And, um, you know, so there's lots of games that do interesting things, not even necessarily war related, but like the human condition or, uh, you know, what would happen to society or people under these conditions, you know. Um, so there's interesting things like that going on. But um, you know, yeah, you you mentioned yeah. this war of mine, and and if anyone has played it, and I and with me personally, I was actually I kind of did a little more digging about its historical basis, and that's and it's actually very strongly based on the siege of Sarajevo, um, in Bosnia, which is the longest siege of a city of a of a urban city um, in modern warfare, like longer uh-huh. than Stalingrad in World War II. Wow. Um, and that in turn led me to do a little more research about the Bosnian War, which is very um, unheard of, sort of forgotten war that really didn't happen too long ago. It was only in 1992 uh, to 96, and NATO was a part of it. The U.S. was a part of it. 
and a lot of people probably have never heard of it. Hmm. Uh, there's also a very good book that I found on it after playing that game uh, called The Cellist of Sarajevo, which is loosely based on historical events. But yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of rambling now because you. you no, no, it, this is this is all relevant. Um, and this is the kind of like thoughts and opinions or or facts um, I want to hear from you guys, like based around this discussion, like more than you know, because game, you know, we're largely after fun for games, but. I myself, and sometimes I'm after an experience. I don't just want to have pure fun. I want to like experience something, be immersed in something, in a story, a character, a setting, and like try and get a glimpse or idea of like what was this like, you know? Um, and those kinds of games can do that, at least to some extent. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also games that are, you know, totally um, like Lily was talking about the more extreme examples of, yeah, obviously clearly disconnected from reality. Uh, I'll use something like Bioshock series, which I really like. Clearly very, I mean, okay, it's set in our world, but it's, you know, I don't think anyone could really confuse that with reality, at least personally. Uh, It's very, (laughs) you know, very obviously something else. Um, But the games tell some very interesting stories. And um, at least the first game, I think, is fairly subversive. Uh, not necessarily the other second and third game, but they do some very interesting things with stories and characters and kind of like destiny and fate and choice and this and that. Nothing like, you know, mind blowing or anything per se, although maybe some people would say that. Um, but they're, they're, you know, they are violent games. Uh, you don't have to kill a lot of people, although they're mostly like deranged drug addicts, kind of to put it like in a very basic way. Um, you know, because they've been shooting up this DNA-based stuff, Adam or whatever, too much, or Eve or whatever it is, and they've all gone crazy. Um, so they're out to get you. And then it's like, a lot of games are like that. They basically put you in this situation where it's like, well, they're going to kill you, so you you have to kill them, kind of a thing. Um, in a very interesting, very oddball game, uh, not Postal 1, but Postal 2. Uh, there's a Postal 3 and a Postal 4 is in early access right now. Postal 3 was made by Rush, some weird Russian studio, and everyone basically says, pretends the game doesn't exist. But Postal 2 <laughs> is something I played way back in like the early 2000s. Actually, my brother bought it and sent me a copy. I was overseas, so I got it in the mail. <laughs> um, but it's very interesting in that, of course, most people, if you go watch a trailer, it's all just chaos and violence, and you're running around, like, kicking people's heads and peeing on them. And so the game is full of, like, total ludicrous stuff. But what it does that I find very interesting... Oh, there's also, like, a whole, like, jihadist network, like, hiding in your backyard, like, in some tunnels in that game. So it's, you know, ob- you know it's totally ridiculous but only if you play it that way you don't have to play it that way most people probably do but what the game actually does is just it go, you go through a week in the life of the dude and um you know you go out to you just go out to the store to like buy some milk or you go to the bank to cash a check or you go to work to i don't know get fired or something um or resign i forget what it is you just basically go around doing mundane tasks but as you go around doing these mundane tasks, which are, which are the main quests, essentially, of the game, some ridiculous and frequently violent situation occurs around you. Not because of you, but it, like, happens to you. So you can, you can like, stealth-ish, hide, run, flee. Uh, they give you, I believe, a... Um, oh, my goodness. I can't think of what it is. Not a cattle prod. Maybe it's a cattle prod. They give you basically something like zap people and stun them. Uh, some sort of, like, electrical zappy stun weapon. I'm 
blanking on what they actually called it in the game right now. Um, so you're not actually forced to kill anyone or anything if you don't want to. But of course, it's very easy to. There's guns everywhere and you can, you know, you can grab things and shoot people's heads off and whatever, but you don't have to. And I think it's very thoughtful that you just walking around doing these mundane things in this town and then all these, you know, ludicrously violent things occur around you and then you can decide how to respond to them. Um, a lot of people said the game was horribly distasteful and shouldn't have been made and all this kind of stuff because they make fun of everyone in that game. No person, religion, gender, any nothing's safe. Even the developers themselves, they actually like parody themselves in the game. So, you know, it's kind of like this no limits humor game. And either some people appreciate that, some people don't. But in terms of a, like a design standpoint and an experience standpoint, I thought it was very compelling uh, that it did that. Because most games are either one or the other. You're like forced to fight. Or it's like the stealth sort of stealth action game where you got to creep around and maybe you take down a guard or two, but you're mostly trying to avoid them and this and that and stuff like that. Um, so this was interesting uh, from a design standpoint. And I actually thought rather thoughtful, um, although I doubt anyone would say Postal is thoughtful, um, mostly because it has a lot of like negative uh, associations with the game and probably rightfully so, because there's a lot of like absurd things you can engage in in the games. But um, yeah. Interesting stuff. Ted, is there any, uh, like, any sort of... You, you mentioned you tended to avoid those sort of historical uh, event yeah. games. Um, so maybe you prefer those more... I like the like... more science fiction-y, fantasy-type things. I, you know, I... I just, just a personal opinion. I don't know where even it comes from. I mean, it's not like I haven't played some games like i you know like last week we were talking about playing metro and uh metro exodus and you know that's kind of dealing with more realistic people inside the game although you know you like you mentioned in that game you have the opportunity at some point to just say okay you know we give up and then you don't have to at you know but for the most part i i tend to sh go towards the more science fictiony fantasy this really never could happen type of thing but then that goes along with uh the stuff i like to read which is i like to read fantasy and science fiction so maybe i'm just more comfortable in them and someone who is more comfortable with you know historic history and historical military things would find the other games you know more uh, appealing to their way of thinking. So, you know, like I said, it's per just a personal thing on my part. But, uh, yeah, not, that makes sense. It's not a moral thing. I, <laughs> right, of course. You know, no, that makes, that makes sense. sense. Everyone has their own uh, preferences. You know? Right. So, yeah, um, I mean, I, I mean, some of my favorite games are those, like, sci-fi stuff, like we've been talking about. I mean, Lily and I are, like, huge Mass Effect fans, or Crack Effect, ha, ha, ha. Um, <laughs> yep. You know, I'm a big, you know, we're both big fans of Warhammer as well, a lot of, like, Warhammer 40k games. Um, you know, Metro series, really cool. I don't know if you'd call that sci-fi, but, I mean, it's post-apocalyptic. There is yeah, post-apocalyptic, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, like, hints of sci-fi, I guess, Um Oh, stuff like that of, um yeah, or you and... <laughs> yeah um or a little more sci-fi is the stalker series they're making a stalker 2 so it's kind of coming back around in the gaming like consciousness but stalker um uh, stalker what is it shadow of chernobyl stalker clear sky and call of pripyat um 
they were all based on well they're based on this i think a, a, the idea of a book called a, a roadside picnic if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. um some old book which i did read very oddball book um but basically you know the chernobyl disaster happened 1986 happened to be the year i was born um of course i wasn't aware of anything about it till much later and read about it in school um but these series of games are set in the zone this kind of like mysterious place that popped up around in and after um the Chernobyl disaster happened and there's mysterious weird anomalies in there and uh, mutants mm. and treasures so you know uh, all these <laughs> like basically um I don't want to call them necessarily mercenaries, but like treasure seekers, mercenaries, all manner of people, and they called them stalkers, which is really short, like for, I forget what it was, because it's S-T-A-L-K-E-R, but all dot, dot, dot. It's an acronym. I forget what it stands for at this point. So there's all manner of people in the zone, you know, vying for control and these weird anomalies, which you can hunt down and capture and sell. And so it's a little more like mystical almost in that game, because there's all this kind of unexplained phenomena. But the reason I'm bringing them up is because I was a huge fan of those games and the immersion. Um... And especially game uh, later in the games, you do go to Pripyat and, you know, it's all ruined. And the developers, I did some digging and the developers actually went to Pripyat and took photos and did research and tried to capture, you know, mm. the sense of like what it might, might like to be there. It's very desolate and lonely and, you know, like ruined civilization, deserted, all this stuff. Um, of course, you can't capture like like Lily was talking about in terms of like really capturing an experience. Like, could you really capture the magnitude of maybe what it's like to be there or think about what happened probably not but the game does a pretty good job of representing it at least in my opinion i've never been to pripyat um but i thought it was solid in terms of capturing this like haunting deserted like landscape basically and you know the iconic ferris wheel is there and all this stuff but uh like lily was talking about with this war of mine caused her to dig and you know maybe read into books and stuff um it caused me to it to really dig into the Chernobyl incident and what happened and what went wrong and why and how the effects of it. And it was actually way more horrific than I ever imagined um, mm. in terms of <laughs> the destruction it caused um, in and around Chernobyl, even all over the world. It blew this massive yeah. radiation cloud like halfway around the world and all sorts of horrible stuff. Um, and I forget the exact name of the book. It might be called Shadows of Chernobyl or Long Shadow or stories of sharing something like that i forget the exact mm. exact name i got it from the library and it's all these real life accounts of um people and what happened at the time you know, it's all like Chernobyl. little thank you Whispers. yeah okay um and really really compelling but really intense read you know in and around um this whole event and this was all spurred by me just playing a game which was initially for fun <laughs> and then it led me yeah. to this like um really deep like dive into this this historic event so it's not a war game but it is you know the stalker games are you know they're very fighty and shooty you do tend to kill a lot of people and get gear and loot and you know not not whispers voices i will correct myself okay voices (laughs) Voices from chernobyl yeah Right. So it's like kind of, it's like what, it's like war adjacent kind of. There are factions fighting in the games technically, but there's no like enormous battles, but there are small scale. But But it kind of goes with the topic though, in the sense that, you know, what you're talking about is it's a simulation of a, of a almost reality in a sense. This event really happened and they're using the, they're using the environment of the event that happened to create a fantasy or, science fiction if you want uh, environment for the game which is interesting and again it i that's the part of the gaming that i really like which you know pulling 
pulling stuff from the universe and creating visuals of what what it might possibly look you know look like and that's probably one of the only reasons i like a movie based on a book is because it's interesting to see how the the movie person or the producer the developers would envision the environment of this fantasy story or the science fiction story and inside of a game to actually be able to go inside of it look around at things i mean that's one of the one of my favorite parts of any game that i've ever played <laughs> <laughs> I have a funny story. I was playing uh, Unreal Tournament years ago, mm. and I'm walking. I'm playing with a friend of mine, and we're just, you know, we're doing one-on-one shooting at each other. He's a lot younger than I was, and and a lot better at it than I was. <laughs> but anyhow, so we're running around this cityscape. And I'm running through, you know, kind of keep away from him who's, you know, basically killing me every time I move, stand in one place too long. And all of a sudden I see this poster on a bill, you know, billboard and it's for us. It's for a restaurant that's in a town like pretty close to where I live. <laughs> and, 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 you know, with the name of the restaurant and a phone number and the whole 10 yards. And it's like, what? Boom. <laughs> but it, 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 well, long story short, it turns out one of the developers was actually raised in the town and took some pictures in that area and uh. incorporated them into the game. So um, it was just kind of, I found out completely serendipity, but it was a long story. But anyhow, I thought that was kind of cool. But the whole point is, you know, people pulling information from the real environment, creating a um, a fake or fantasy environment and letting you be able to go in it and experience it, look around, you know, go through doors, crawl through crawl spaces. I mean, to me, that's like, wow, that's neat. and And that's, kind of what it goes on with the military stuff in the sense that you're creating a game based on a historical event well maybe loosely maybe not so loosely but mm. you could actually experience some aspect of that and you might find it interesting like i said i tend to shy away from the reality ones and more for the fantasy science fiction type but in the same thing i think that's there's a lot of value to the games in that and then that's one of the things that really attracts me to it nice yeah no at the end of the day i think it's very positive and i think gaming itself is generally positive i mean People, yeah, I'm talking about the games themselves, not necessarily the people who play them. <laughs> um, you know, like online bullying or, or toxicity in in certain gaming com- games, anyway, are like you know problematic. Um, but we're not here to deep dive that or anything. But you know, uh, I think games can be a great exploration or experience of something, um, a good way to unwind. Um, and kind of going back to this historical idea of like. I don't want to deep dive this, but I want to wrap up with this thought or this, this like idea of like, you know, I guess are, are humans like inherently just really violent creatures? You know, it would seem to be true. So is it like, are like action or games with violence in them a great way to like safely channel human aggression? I don't know. Um, maybe it is. <laughs> I'm talking about reasonable people here, not like unhinged people who, you know, go out and do horrible acts of violence in the real world. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting thought. I don't know how true that would be, but it's like, it just seems throughout history, you know, humans have, a uh, you know, a history of violence, some of it maybe justified or quote unquote correct, and maybe a bunch of it not so much. Um, 
So I don't want to deep dive that idea, but just like poke at it. Do you guys have any? I've always I always thought that myself, John, as far as that goes, that, you know, to it, it to put in, you know, put the the violence, the action, the that type of stuff inside of a game puts a person who might be inclined to do something in a situation where they can kind of burn that out of their system in a sense or whatever and do it in an environment where they're not hurting anything, you know, real as opposed to going out and trying to be cruel to somebody for real, you know. I've always felt that that it was a way to, you know, pull people away from that. And I could be wrong. I don't have any degrees in studying, you know, psychology or anything. But it's always been – I always thought that that was the case. So uh, that's my opinion. <laughs> nice. Lily, be, any comments? I might be more of a optimist maybe still despite <laughs> all the things that I've seen and – and done, but you know, I don't think humans are inherently violent. I think individual people can be violent, mm. but I think there's no real difference in terms of video games as a metric of violence than any other medium. Uh, you know, you look at movies, there are plenty of movies that are filled with violence. You look at sports, there are plenty of sports that are built around violence. Mm, and right. and not everyone's about that. And I think humans are very diverse people. And at the end of the day, being violent in a video game, you know, scientifically, it doesn't give you the same reaction as being violent in real life. And even on a physical level, there's there's a big, big difference between shooting or hitting someone in a video game and doing it in real life. And people can be mean in video games and they can be mean in real life. It's not, mm. you know, it's not cut and dry as saying... uh you know, video games are successful when they're violent because humans are naturally violent. Like, right. if you watch some videos of FIFA uh, players and they're just, you know, cursing and raging at each other and saying these, like, horrible <laughs> things, and it's like, that's not even a game about violence. But, <laughs> but people right. will still completely be at each other's throats. And then on the other hand, you can watch a game of, like, Overwatch with you know a functional team and people are kind and respectful and and you know and, and yeah that's rare most of the time you know in overwatch <laughs> people will be like raging at each other but that can happen anywhere and that's that's kind of i think fitting into my point that that uh you know humans aren't cut and dry there's no black and yeah. white it's it's no. you know yeah. as with all things it's a it's a mixed bag. It's a spectrum. Right. Some right. people are. No, I yeah, I agree with that. And some people are not. Yeah, you're. I think the main thrust of your not argument, but your points here, and I agree with, is that like these things aren't exclusive to games. They've happened well before games came along, and they continue to happen outside of games and all sorts of interactions and and you know events in life as well. So it's more about the individual, um, and that makes a lot of sense. I wasn't trying to uh, like blanket. Uh, you know, make blanket statements about humanity as a whole. It was more like a wondering, wondering thought. Um, yeah. And I, I would agree with that. And what's true is some of the most like pleasant and chill moments I've had in games are games 
that are violent, whether it's a MOBA like Dota or certain Call of Duty games. And you just you just coincidentally get this group of people. They're all chill. They all communicate really nicely. Everyone's like super positive as you run around like killing other virtual people. <laughs> um, and everyone's like cheerful and chill. And, you know, sometimes you friend them after or whatever, you know, or ne- maybe you never see them again. But um, yeah. Some of the, I mean, it could be just because I play a lot of those games in general, and I don't necessarily run around playing other cooperative games that are maybe less violent um, or less conflict driven. But practically all games, I mean, even like Monopoly's conflict driven or Clue or whatever, like humans, it might be fairly true to say that we thrive on, if not conflict, at least competition. That's probably fair to say. A lot of people do. Yeah. Competition, um, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I think that's fair to say as a. Not 100%, but fairly wide-ranging net for humanity. Um, yeah, so that's that's interesting. Um, but that's it. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, games have provide all kinds of experiences. Um, you know, and there's very few truly, like, horrible, distasteful games. Um, and if they really are, they tend to be, like, banned or not allowed on platforms like Steam and Epic and whatever. Um, for the most part, anyway. Not entirely, but relatively. Um, yeah, but that's, that's, uh, that's our thoughts on violence in games, mostly related to war and military in general, because of these two fine people in Lily and Ted, uh, active and, and former members of the military. Um, how about, uh, wrap it up with anything we've been playing lately? Lily, have you had, I know you've been really busy, but have you had any time to play any games lately? I've been sneaking in wherever I can. Some, uh, a bit of Crusader Kings 3. Oh, And then, nice. uh, oh. I got Surviving Mars for free, uh, cause of that, uh, I think it was Paradox's, like, anniversary of their founding or something, so they gave that away for free, and pretty neat game. It's a little slow, but it's pretty neat. Nice. So I guess I've been playing some Paradox games as of late, just, uh, <laughs> But yeah, well, I, I, you know, I yeah. came right out of the field and now I'm getting ready to move and then I'm deploying shortly after. So not a lot of time for games. Right. Uh, I feel like the historian in you would really enjoy the Crusader Kings 3 sort of thing, like creating legacies and histories of like rulers and, and battles and all this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I especially love stomping on the patriarchy like 800 years early. <laughs> That's my favorite part of things. Like, I, I made my own offshoot of a religion just so I could have a queen, and then I just started curb stomping my way around Ireland and England. And then I took over France because it was annoying me. I, I, I should, uh, yeah, I, yeah, that is great. That's wonderful. I enjoyed those uh, little anecdotes. Uh, Ed, <laughs> what's been on your... Gamer. Um, I'm I'm still working my way through Metro Exodus, so that's is it uh, a nice. Is it still holding up for you? Like still having a great oh time? yeah, still having a good time with it. Yeah, I'm really enjoying the the multiple environments that you go through, and you know, again, goes back to what I was saying. It's just fun to be able to meander about this environment, and yeah, sure, there's things that get in your way, and there's but uh, they did a really good job of creating the environments and the, the things in the environments and the hazards that you have to go around and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I, I really find it really nice. It's just, I wish I, sometimes I wish I had a bigger monitor. <laughs> <laughs> My 27 inch iMac is just a little, <laughs> but uh, I really well, need to play yeah. that game. 
I'm still yeah. on Last Flight, but I've just never gotten around to finishing it. Oh, honestly, if at this point I would, you know, and I've done this with some basically games over time, is I would just go and like read the plot of Last Light or watch some YouTube videos and then just go play Exodus. Like, yeah, Exodus, I think, of, was better than Last Flight. Yeah. It, it's also, yeah, like, there was a huge, pretty, yeah, it was a pretty big time gap between like Last Light and Exodus. Um, yeah. What to speak of uh, 2033 and Exodus. Um, in 2033 and Last Light are very similar overall. And Exodus is a huge leap, not just visually, um, but even like mechanically and the story experience and the, like the gameplay experience. Basically, everything is like vastly superior to anything you'll find in Last Light. Um, so, yeah. personally, I in terms of you, like... Yeah. But if I don't finish Last Light that I have the excuse of saying, oh, yes, I'll get to Exodus when I finish Last Light, and then I never get around uh, to finishing Last Light, so I don't feel guilty. But I also feel uh, guilty because I'm not playing Last Light, and then I can't play Exodus. Oh, no, it's a catch-22. Yes, I've caught myself in this trap, and now I will sit here. <laughs> Speaking of catch-22, that is a, like, absurd <laughs> war, like adventure Story. novel i don't even know what oh, to call it but hilarious <laughs> yeah and it's you know i hate to say it but sometimes it just nails the army spot on <laughs> it God, Navy organization. <laughs> my favorite part just to talk about the book really quick um is the i think it's the doctor who uh he's supposed to log like airtime so he doesn't actually go on the airplane, but the pilot writes down that he did. But then the pilot like crashes and dies, so he's actually dead. He's listed as dead. But obviously, he's alive, but people are like, "Well, it says here you died." So then he like gets ejected, like he loses his doctor job or whatever, and like two other guys take it over. And then he like he just kind of wanders around this like morose guy because everyone like won't really deal with him because he's supposed to be dead <laughs> because of like the paperwork. Because of the paperwork, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No. Oh, that is, some... that is that would happen in the army. Believe me, it would happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, good times. Uh, and to wrap up, I've been uh, playing and finishing Desperados Three, the uh, like stealth action adventure. Well, uh, I was going to say World World War Three, uh, Wild West uh, uh, series. Uh, uh -huh. Really, really fun if you enjoy uh, basically like stealth combat puzzles, um, and a wild west setting. It's a, it's a great game with some really interesting characters and story and, uh, mm, really good production cool. values, good graphics, uh, uh, really strong, like voice acting and audio. And it also has really awesome optimization on Mac, um, Intel or Silicon Macs and all that. So like kind of not anything can run it, but a lot of machines can run it. So yeah, it's a game from last year. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. Desperados three have a peek if, uh, sounds appealing. And uh, that will do us for this momentous and occasion-ish, occasion-ish, I'm making up words, uh, episode, <laughs> podcast episode 10, getting in the double digits now, woohoo. Um, so many thanks, Ali, for taking the time to come on and lending your unique uh, perspective. Loved it. Same for Ted. Really appreciate it. Of course. Happy to be here. Yeah, me too. Glad to be here. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time. A big thank you to Kevin McLeod for the intro and outro music. Be sure to check out his library on the web. You can find more episodes of our show on our website, macgamecast.com, or in all major podcast directories. If you enjoy the show, please consider commenting, following, or sharing. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time.